Yes. April the 5th, 2020. And you have just come back to or venturing to Across the Tracks podcast. Yep, we are back for another episode. And uh, good to be here amidst all the coronavirus, COVID-19, however you want to call it. Pretty much everybody's in lockdown except for a few locations have not committed to that yet. But uh, we're here and uh, hopefully you're going to have a great show tonight. A couple of topics we got. But uh, as usual, I'm Wayne. And I'm Steve. All right. All right. right, Hey, before we... Before we get into it tonight, uh, I think I think we would be remiss if we didn't give a shout out to uh, all the healthcare providers, doctors, nurses, other medical professionals that are on the front lines of dealing with the pandemic uh, that's going around the country. So I want to shout them out, say how much we appreciate their efforts. Uh, it's a tireless effort, but they're staying on the staying on the job and uh, doing what they got to do to take care of people. So that's very much appreciated. Absolutely. And the other shout out goes to the governors and mayor that have taken the lead on this uh, worldwide situation, seeing that the occupant at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue uh, doesn't know how to lead and is not wanting to uh, share resources. He's in a war they can't win. Yep. He's in a war that he doesn't have any uh, soldiers to command other than himself. And so mayors and governors are standing up and um, the first to take bullets as opposed to uh, hiding behind the um, the oak leaves, the 13 arrows and the eagle. That's the, the um, symbol of the presidency of the United States. So, you know, shout out to governors. Uh, I know Governor Cuomo yep. is, is really the, the person that's on the uh, that's getting all of the press right now and because New York is the most populous city in the United States and they've been affected more than uh, any other city in the country as of right now. So shout out to governors and mayors and civic leaders who are uh, taking taking the uh, taking charge of the um, situation with this virus that's going on. Absolutely. And uh, to echo those sentiments, our, our former home state, uh, Kentucky, they've got a great governor doing great work there, man. Andy Brashear uh, is doing great work. I think it's Andy Brashear, right? Is that? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. We're doing great work there for the state of Kentucky. So I want to want to shout him out as well. So as you said, man, the governors and the mayors, they're the ones who are leading and uh, doing what's got to be done to make sure people are taken care of. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate that uh, the current occupant is um, no leader whatsoever. He's, he's all talk. And, uh, you know, a lot of this, even though he w- does not want to accept responsibility, this is on him because you are the person in charge. You're supposed to be leading the country. This is right at your doorstep. So you cannot uh, abdicate the throne. Um, you always want to throw around how powerful you are and, you know, you're this or that. But when it comes time to step up and exercise some true leadership, you're MIA. But you're a wartime president, but you're MIA. So uh, uh, much love to the governors and mayors and, again, the healthcare professionals that are on the front lines of this epic battle. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we have uh, tonight, Wayne, we're going to start off with uh, a, a bit of sad news. 
and that is the passing of a uh, R&B slash folk legend in uh, Bill Withers. Um, he passed a couple days ago, and uh, some of his greatest works have been uh, used by others uh, as a sounding board and have uh, sampled his music as well. And uh, he's uh, just a, a guy from West Virginia that uh, grew up kind of poor and made his way out and became one of the uh, world's uh, leading uh, folk slash R&B singers. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, man. You uh, you know, again, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's another legend, uh, another legend gone and uh, unfortunate, man. But, you know, the music that he made uh will stand i mean a lot of it is still standing the test of time man it's 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 just classic stuff lean on me which is you know remade by a club nouveau back in the 80s they put a different spin on that song uh lean on me is sort of getting a revival in lieu of what's going on around the country i heard a commercial today with lean on me on it so the song is is most appropriate at this time and he made that song back in the 70s so um, it's getting a lot of airplay now being revived. So I expect to see uh, the streams of that song go up on Spotify, Pandora, whatnot. Um, those streams are probably going to increase because of what's going on. Uh, Lovely Day, another one of his hits. Uh, great song. Jill Scott redid that song on one of her mm -hmm. CDs a few years back. She did a great, great, great job with that song. She did a great version of that song. So um, priceless catalog of good stuff. Uh, one of the songs I really like by him, and I was talking to my daughter about it the other day, because uh, she, you know, she's in the news and she IM to me and said, uh, "Hey, did you know Bill Withers passed?" And I'm like, "What?" She said, "Yeah, it's it's on. Just came over the wire." So I went out and read, and she's so we we share music, you know, and and she she likes to listen to a lot of the older songs from the 70s and 80s. So I asked her, I said, "Hey, you have any Bill Withers music on your phone or whatever you're doing these days?" She said, "Oh yeah, I've got Lean on Me and um, Lovely Day." And I said, "Well, hey, you you left out a few." I said, hey, "Put Ain't No Sunshine on your list." Oh you? yeah which is a classic. Uh, the Neville Brothers redid that, a great version that they did of that song. But one of my favorite songs that I told her about was Grandma's Hands. Yep. And man, that song, it, it, it's, it speaks to, you know, a lot how we were raised, that your grandmother exercised a lot of <laughs> in your raising. If grandma said, <laughs> sit your butt down or whatever. But at the same time, grandma would look out for you. So that's mm -hmm. what this song is all about. It, it's, it's the love of grandma. And, you know, she'd get on you, but at the same time, she would, you know, look out for you. And, and you knew that grandma loved you. So, um, yeah, much respect. Uh, rest in power, Bill Withers, a uh, great R&B folk artist, um, from uh, from the 70s and and you know he'll be missed tremendously you know we were we were talking about gil scott heron on a previous podcast a couple of weeks ago yes and he also did grandma's hand as well he does a great version of it okay uh, that's that's really really good you know you know gil i mean gil scott gil scott heron has that that baritone voice right right and uh he he did a, a great job on it. as a matter of fact I remember hearing Gil Scott Heron's version before Bill Withers' version of it, to be honest. 
Okay. This and I also listened to Gil Scott Heron today, and that one came up for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's a good one. And I tell you, the the best sample uh, of "Lovely Day" uh, is uh, "Player's Holiday." Yep. Yeah. You know that? Uh, yeah. uh, was it TWDY? Yeah. Yep. I love that because you know I have my little back to back playlist. Right. right. You do now, your remake playlist yeah yep i have lovely day and then the next song is player's holiday so that's okay. that goes along good with that so bill withers is is a great musician as well as a vocalist so absolutely man yeah. i was uh we were talking man you you shared the and you know we're going back to a little bit what we talked about last week but you shared that uh you know, documentary about the making of Asia by Steely Dan. And I, I watched it again <laughs> last night. <laughs> and uh, they, it was funny, man, because they had me cracking up. Uh, Donald Fagan and Walter Becker had me cracking up because they uh, they they previewed Black Cow. And they were mm-hmm. in the show, you know, messing with the mixing board, whatever. And then Donald Fagan breaks in, uptown, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was sampled. Black Cow was sampled by by a lot of rappers, you know. <laughs> yeah. But they had me cracking up because he was on it, man. He's like, yeah. "Oh, baby." <laughs> it was like. Now, so, did you now did you see the other one I sent you? No, I I saw I saw you sent me something before the thing. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. the one I was telling you about. That when they did Two Against Nature. Okay. It was a live set. It was kind of a documentary slash live set. And them introducing their two against nature um, CD or album, yeah. but they put in some of their oldies but goodies in there too. But it was all live. Okay, man, and and I didn't realize how how time had passed when I first watched that. That was twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, in two thousand. Yeah, and I finally found it. Now I've got it bookmarked on my computer that man they can they can really do it and (laughs) we're getting back to stilly dan i'm sorry about that folks (laughs) but also there's this guy that i was looking on on youtube after watching that two against nature video there's a guy who was introduced to stilly dan and he goes and looks at specific songs and critiques them because he had never heard of them before. Wow. There's this, uh, this um, I can't think of his name now. He's a brother. He's a black man. And he's he's digging in some Steely Dan. <laughs> oh, wow. Because he, okay. took, um, he took um, Pretzel Logic, Deacon Blues, um, Do It Again, and he just kind of critiqued it. Mm-hmm. And said, "Man, now this is some music right here. So, I'll I'll send you the link. Okay, uh, to his YouTube stuff. He's got about five or six Steely Dan's, something from the seventies. Okay, it's okay. pretty good. It's interesting. Okay. All right, yeah. now let's let's move on. You our okay. musical interlude. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I was just let me throw my. I was out doing my walk today. You know, when my little thirty minute walk, and I said, I'm gonna put on my headphones today and, and throw on some music while I walk." What was I listening to? Steely Dan and Donald Fagan. That's, <laughs> that's what I was listening to during my walk. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. Oh, the guy's name is Jamal. Jamal. Okay. Jamal. I, I saw him on uh, on YouTube. Yeah. Well, I yeah. Yeah. I, I saw him. Yeah. So I'll check him out. Yeah, he's good. Check he's him good. Out. He, he does a good job. Awesome. 
All right, now let's, let's segue to the next thing, man. What we got next? What we got next? Well, yesterday, again, you know, I won't say it's sad, but yesterday, um, I guess it's a bit of a sad case. Yesterday was the anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King uh, down in Memphis, April the 4th, 1968. <clears throat> so, um, you know, every year uh, that, uh, you know, it comes up, I didn't see a lot about it on the news yesterday. I, I was surprised. I did not see a lot of people mention uh, the, the anniversary of the assassination on the news. And I, maybe the coronavirus is taking up all the coverage. But Yeah, that's taking up all the oxygen. Taking right up all there. the coverage. But um, if, if you will, if you go back into your time machine, do you remember where you were, what you were doing on April the 4th, 1968? Yes, I was at home at the dinner table and the news came out that Dr. King had been assassinated. And then that um, that evening, there was a protest march uh, by the, you know, my brother and relatives and so on up at the uh, National Guard Armory. So, you know, of course, we had our one TV in the house. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, at that time, everybody was glued to the TV, uh, expecting, you know, the worst to happen in, in certain parts of the country. You know, some of the uh, uh, people were outraged enough to, uh, you know, try to burn down their own cities and riot it and so on. And a few right. people were killed. But yeah, uh, April fourth, uh, nineteen sixty-eight. I know exactly where I was. I mean, just the same thing. Any specific date prior right. to, we remember where we were. Right, right. You know, so yeah, those. You know, as we get older, here we are in our uh, early sixties. We've witnessed a lot in our lifetime, man. Absolutely. You know, if you think about tragic things, you think of you know. Kennedy being assassinated in uh, 62, you yeah. know, uh, King being assassinated, Bobby Kennedy being assassinated, you know, and then dealing with the Vietnam War. You know, all these things has come to pass in our lifetime. And as we've gotten older, we've witnessed a lot. Absolutely. You know, in yeah, those years. Well. Absolutely. Uh, I, th I think uh, President Kennedy, I think he was assassinated 63 versus 62. Yeah, 63. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was in first grade. I was in the first grade at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you November know, November 22nd. Yep, yeah, November 22nd. And I remember as a kid, uh, I was I was, what, 11 uh, 1968. Uh, we were all and sitting in the in the living room there. My my grandmother was was at the house with us, and also uh, my uncle Haskell was there. He was mm -hmm. in the house, and we were just sitting around. And then at the time, you know, when people when when breaking news broke in back then on the TV, it was something serious. And so the broadcast got broken up, and I think it was. Um, uh, Chet Huntley or David Brinkley, one of those two broke in. I think that's right. the channel we had it on. And he said, mentioned that, hey, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's been shot in Memphis. And we're like, oh, my God, you know, whatever. And my uncle, I remember it like, like, it, like it's today. He said, well, the next time they break in, he's going to be dead, you know. And sure enough, about maybe 10, 15 minutes later, they broke in again and saying that he had he had been uh, he had passed away and died. 
And so from that point on, man, America was a powder keg. And, uh, you know, we weren't, well, I wasn't, I wasn't involved in a lot of the, you know, the protests that were going on, you know, being an 11 year old kid, but I've gone back and looked at a lot of the footage from that time. And, uh, I mean, it was like, man, cities were literally burnt to the ground, man. And, and it was, whether that was right or wrong, uh, you, you had to sympathize with how people felt because here was this man who had pr- literally put his life on the line, not just for black people, man. He put his life on the line for everybody. And he stood, up, he stood up for the poor. He, he That's who he was advocating for the poor, whether you're black, white, green or red. He was advocating for the poor and why people had an issue with that and felt that, you know, we can't allow that to proceed we got to get rid of this guy. I don't know what kind of thinking that is or what kind of person has to go to that level to kill somebody because you don't like the agenda that they're doing to help people uh, get out of poverty. So uh, we want to want to shout that out tonight. Remember that because it is one of those it is one of those milestones in history that you knew where you were when it occurred. So now, have have you ever been to Memphis before? I have not. I, it's it's on my list to go to Memphis uh, to go to the the museum there, the Motel. Online, I mean, there's a lot of history in Memphis. Uh, there and is, and we, we went there. Um, I've gone there for the past three years for okay. Corvette. Uh, car show and stuff like that and went by the Lorraine Lorraine motel. Okay. And, um, it's, it's a museum now it's called the civil rights, the national civil rights museum. And they change it like they do. Most, most museums. The first time we went, they had all these dates and so on. And these are things that happened on these specific dates, right, these right. are the laws that were passed and so on. And so you could go by the same room that he, that he was in. Um, they got it made up just like it was when he was there, everything down to the cigarette butts that was in the room and so on. The cars that were there, there's still two cars that were there that hadn't been moved from the, from the place that's been there since 68. Wow. And uh, it's just uh, it's just a moving uh, tribute to him. Right, right. Now across the street, where the boarding house is, where uh, oh James Earl Ray, uh, you know, shot and and killed Martin Luther King. I mean, you're talking, and it's probably less than. 50, 60 yards at the most. It's just okay. like right across the street, probably okay. about 50, 60 yards. Wow. And they got the bathroom. They set up like it was back then. And it goes through. A, there's a timeline there that it goes through. Uh, they got the car. Uh, it was a replica Mustang that he got away in and so on. Mm. So it's really interesting. You can you can go to places like this. You need to go at least twice to try to get it all. Right. Because right. of what going to it once, you try to do too much and you don't you miss something. So it's always good to go back um, to go there again. So we I've I've done it a couple times in the past few years, and mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 pretty moving moving. Uh, exhibition that's there 
Yeah, it is. It is on my list um, for that to see the, like you said, the National Civil Rights Museum to see that. And since I'm a music head, Stacks got to go to the <laughs> Stacks Museum, Soulsville. Oh yeah, uh, Soulsville. go there, and then Beale Street. Beale and Street. I, I found uh, I was doing. I'm reading a book called Black Fortunes. And it's about nine um, black millionaires that probably a lot of people don't know about. These people were actually millionaires back in the 30s and 40s type thing, you know, black folks. And this one guy, after he uh, got free from from slavery, he migrated to Memphis and literally bought up property on what was then Beale Street. And it was it was booming with black businesses of all kinds and whatnot. But he was the individual who started, you know, Beale Street, this black guy, you know, mm-hmm. wow, amazing, you know, and I'm sure now that's probably not the case because of, uh, you know, the way things have gone. I, I'm right. not sure how many black people own anything on Beale Street. I, I'd be I'd be curious to know how many not, black. businesses. Not are many. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, man. When, when you go back and look. At, at at what we have done over the course of our history. And I'm, I'm reading this book and I'm like, oh my God, stuff I like, where did this, why don't we know this stuff? That these people were investing in the country and they bought land and they built, you know, literally black towns. And it's like, okay, these, these it's gone. And, you know, something like Beale Street, which is a huge tourist mecca, uh, started by a black man, but today we probably own nothing on that street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's sad. So, um, you know, um, Dr. King, man, he 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 did a lot. He he did a lot for so many people. And again, I think people misunderstand him. People have misunderstood what he was all about. But his central message was lifting up the poor. And uh, here we are. Fast forward to now. Who's getting hurt the most by what's going on here uh, with the money that's being distributed? It's it's the poor people. They are not getting their just due in this whole thing, man. And that's that's the sad thing about what's going on with this whole, uh, you know, what's going on with the economy because of the virus. Poor people are not, in my opinion, they're not getting their just due. It's 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 all these corporations and whatnot. They're getting huge amounts of money. But. You know, the the poor that that actually do a lot to keep this country going, the business, small business people, whatnot, they're not getting a fair shake, in my opinion. So and it's always been that way. And I don't I don't foresee it changing anytime soon. Nope, and that's that's unfortunate. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that uh, because uh, we're not going to be able to change that situation. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. So what's the last uh, idea you got on your mind for tonight? Well, we want to talk about a sailor. Okay. We want to, we want to talk about uh, the captain of a nuclear-powered uh, aircraft carrier that was relieved of his duty because he chose to look out for his men and women that served on his aircraft carrier as opposed to um, making the administration look bad for not taking actions to protect those said sailors. And that is the captain of the Theodore Roosevelt was a man by the name of Brett Crozier or Crozier. And uh, he was relieved of his command because uh, they 
This is my opinion. They made an excuse to get rid of him because he they said that he did not go do the proper chain of command, uh, which is another word of saying you told everybody that we're doing something wrong. Yep. Yep. And as the captain of that ship, it's his responsibility. And you're talking about an aircraft carrier that has at least four to five thousand sailors, Marines, and um, sometimes Air Force personnel on board. And when you have a a, a small platform like that, I mean, aircraft carriers are big. However, when you work in close quarters with other people, then the idea of passing the coronavirus should become a major priority. Believe me, when I was in the Coast Guard on board a a ship that's 10 times, 30 times, 40 times smaller than an aircraft carrier – Still, the birthing areas were close quarters. Now, we slept in cubicles in which the cubicles was probably smaller than a twin size bed. There's four in a, in a cubicle. And sometimes if the ship was had too many people on it, you would share your bunk with another sailor. Yep. Hot, hot racking. Hot racking. Yeah. <laughs> and on these carriers, they didn't. We, and we were just stacked two together. Yeah. On these carriers, you'd have three or sometimes three uh, bunks stacked on top of one another. And in such close quarters, you know, that virus could spread like like wildfire. Absolutely. You know, so the captain did what was right by trying to protect his sailors and Marines and airmen. And he ended up losing his job as a result. Now, I I tell you, this other thing that goes along with that, Wayne, is that they did not demote him. They just reassigned him. Because if they would have demoted him, I, I can guarantee you there would have been hell to pay. Oh, absolutely. And they're still probably going to, they're just going to yeah. brush it underneath the table. Yeah, it's, it's, it's coming. It's coming because they're, they're you know, the, the send-off he got, and now he's tested positive himself. Yeah. He has tested positive uh, for COVID-19 himself. And so the send-off he got from those sailors, I think, in this on this particular carrier, and the thing about this, this is a nuclear-powered carrier, so it's not, you know, not the old school. This is a nuclear-powered carrier. Um, I think the the article said there was about four thousand sailors on on this particular cruise uh, that are that are there, but they gave him such a tremendous send off when he walked down the uh, walked off off the ship. Uh, they gave him such uh, I mean a send off, man, which showed that they really respected and admired him as their commanding officer. And it's it's again it it echoes back to the cowardly leadership we have in our government that you are going to fire this man because he did what every leader is supposed to do. You like I said, you've been in the Coast Guard. 
You know, my man, retired Air Force, you're, you're, you take care of those people who are under you. That is your primary function. Absolutely. That is your primary function. And he did that. And now, you know, people always, man, people have always sometimes sidestepped the chain of command, you know. And this is a national crisis. So um, the, the cowards who did this, and they, you know, of course, the occupant is not going to say he had nothing to do with it. But I guarantee you that something indirectly to do with it, because the people that fired the captain probably were afraid of what we, he was going to say to them if they did not get rid of this guy. Well, the, the thing that the person that fired him, I can't think of his name, but he's the secretary of the Navy. Well, he was I think he was the secretary of the Navy. He was appointed. Right. He was there temporarily because. Right. There's no one in hardly anybody in this administration that nope. has gone through Senate confirmation. No, nope. this this dude is acting. He is. Yeah, the, he's the, he's the, the acting for the Navy. And, and I'm looking at him when he gave his speech as to why he got rid of this guy. I fired them. I, I was like, dude, you're a coward, just like the individual who, even though he probably, you know, had nothing to do with it, per se. But indirectly, you're sucking curry, trying to curry favor. To the current occupant thinking like, oh, like you said, this guy's making us look bad. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to fire this guy to curry favor with the current occupant. And that's sad. It's cowardly leadership. And so I hope that somebody stands up and says, you know what, this is not going to stand. This is not going to stand. And if the current occupant had any guts, you, he, he was so quick to, um, you know, return war criminals back to service. Why wouldn't you stand up for this guy as the commander in chief? Why don't you exercise some leadership and stand up to say, you know what, Captain Crozier, you were taking care of your sailors. I'm restoring you back to your command. That that would be leadership. But yes. we're dreaming. We're in a fantasy world because he is never going to do that. He is a coward. And all these other people that are currying favor to him, they're just as cowardly as he is. So. Yeah. As Forrest Gump says, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a shame. It is. Uh, you know, this this guy has a long career. Yes. And um, the acting secretary of the Navy does that because yeah. their job is more important to stay on the good side of the current occupant because of his lack of leadership. Yep. Than it is to do what's right for uh, the the Navy itself and all those sailors and airmen that's that's on board that carrier. Yeah. You know, I have one of one of my um, former track runners and a classmate of Stephanie's uh, is married to one of the sailors that's on board there. Oh wow! Okay. And um, you know, we're kind of getting updates on it, but. Uh, he hasn't come down with the um, uh, COVID-19 as of yet, but still he's on board the the the, the Teddy Roosevelt, right. who right. is who is now in Guam, and they're having to take those take those sailors off that's been tested uh, right. positive and starting to isolate the others. I mean, this is a ship that has to be at this is a ship that has to be at sea. Absolutely. You cannot have you cannot have uh, a warship like that out at sea and have the number of p- 
people that can possibly get sick. That ship would become inefficient in its in its task of protecting the nation. So the quicker that you get this situation taken care of, the better that those sailors and airmen are going to and Marines are going to go lean forward and go down and do their job to protect the protect the nation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, that ship probably, you know, it's probably got to be cleaned somehow. I I don't know, man. How do you clean an aircraft carrier? You know, you know, they got 4000 people on board there. I mean, you know, when I was just in the Coast Guard as a just getting out of boot camp, I did a whole lot of cleaning, (laughs) a whole lot of chipping and paint. I know it can be done. It's just (laughs) that is a massive job to to clean that and disinfect that aircraft carrier because that that is that is a breeding ground, man, with people in such close quarters. It's like, I mean, to me, the captain, man, he, he did what he had to do. Uh, and you got to respect that, man. And I think his uh, his sailors um, respected that. That's why he got the rousing send off from the crew when he walked down the game plan. Walked down the game plan. He got a rousing send off from his crew because they they, they respected and, and and admired him as their commanding officer. So at some point, I hope we can restore, um, you know, strong leadership back in the government, especially from the commander in chief position, because right now, again, the, he's a wartime president, but he's MIA. And uh, that's that's what we don't need. So yeah. I have much respect for Captain Crozier. And I hope at some point someone with uh, more sense realizes that this was a abomination to uh, relieve him of his command. Yes, I agree 100 percent. All right. So what else you got tonight before we uh, wrap it up? Any well, well, I don't have very much other than this virus that's out there, man. We're we're really having to change our way of life right now. You know, up until uh, yesterday, I had gone out without having any mask on i kept my distance from people right but um probably a couple of years ago maybe three years ago i started ordering these uh multi task uh scarves okay they can be a mask they can you can convert it into it's like a buff you can convert it into a hat that you can wear you can convert it into um, um, part mask, part hat. There's several, there's like 16 different things you can do with these. And I have a whole dresser drawer full of those things. Wow. And about, probably about a year and a half ago, I started cutting the grass. And I started wearing a mask over my, over my face because one of the guys that's in my Corvette club, He's a fireman. He goes, man, you should, whenever you go out and do anything, you should always have a mask on because of stuff that's in the air and fumes from the lawnmower and so on. So I started wearing wearing a mask then. So when I run in the summertime, I use it as a headband. Right. In the wintertime, when it gets cool, I make it into like a little beanie and wear it on my head. And then I use it as a mask uh, in the, in the summer and I can use a combination of things with it. It's just an awesome thing. And I have stacks, stacks of them. So I guess I prepared ahead of time, but now when I go out, I'm gonna have to put on one of those daggone things just to keep me from spreading and people from 
infecting me as well. So that's been the biggest change uh, to take place with this virus. And sad to say that I have a a member of our Corvette club that came down with it. And he, his wife, his daughter, and his mom has come down with it. We don't know where he got it, but uh, he's not doing very well right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean he's I mean he's one of the guys in our Corvette club that's uh that's come down with it and um uh, yeah he's it's very very grave right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean and in just two two weeks ago we were in a Corvette club meeting with him. Wow. Two weeks ago. On on March the about three weeks ago, March the 10th, we had a Corvette. That was our last public Corvette meeting we had. And he was right there. And now he's fighting for his life. That's, that's, that's unfortunate, man. It's sad. Yeah. To you. Uh, you don't know, man. I, I was, you know, out yesterday. I had to run to the store. So uh, Cynthia made us made us some masks. She, she made some homemade masks. So uh, we we threw him a mask on and went to the store, man. And I was surprised how many people were walking around in the grocery store, no mask on. Yeah. You know, and and it's it's like we're never going to see the, the curve, the flattening of the curve, whatever the the term they utilize. We're never going to see that, man, until people start taking it seriously. And by not wearing a mask, just thinking everything's hunky dory, let's just go do whatever. I mean, I've seen people on the golf course. Clustered on the golf course, golf. <laughs> they're standing on the corner talking to each other in groups. I'm like, what don't you understand about this? Yeah. Well, what don't you understand that this is serious business? Yeah. So until people literally have to be told, and again, leadership, the the current occupant is is so uh, lacking of leadership that he won't institute a national lockdown. Uh, we, 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 it's going to be a long summer, man. I think this is going to, it's going to go into the summer. Yeah. And, and, and the, can the economy take that? No. Are people out of work? Can they do that? No. The economy, and, man. Oh man, this thing has shut down the economy. Big time. Big time. And if, if we would have, if we would have did what like South Korea did, as soon as they came down with, they started testing yeah. and, and, and locking things down. And the current occupant, you know, he's so into his own money and stuff. Yeah. He's delayed all that time. Yeah. And now we we have uh, hospitals and, and, and clinics without ventilators. You know, we can make those things up. You got governors from all across the country that are trying to get ventilators and they're bidding against one another. And the price is going up on these things, yeah. you know, for masks and so on. And he's afraid to pull the trigger to say, this is what we're going to have to do in order to get past this. If we have to build 5 million ventilators, we build 5 million ventilators. Right. Right. If we need them, we use them. If right. there's, if there's left over, then by golly, they're going to be put in a place where, Right. We can get to them in the future because this is not going to be a one-stop shopping with this coronavirus. No, 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 no. It, it's it's going to be around until I mean, unless they come up with a vaccine at some point uh, to you know, like they did with polio and a lot of the other infectious diseases that we've had. They've had vaccines and it staved that you know from from being as detrimental as it is now. 
But you got to have leadership. I, I wish Como was the president. I wish Como was the president. <laughs> yeah. If Como was the president, I guarantee you he'd step up to the to the press conference and say, you know what? National lockdown. National yeah. lockdown. And like a lot of these other countries, Italy, I saw in Italy this morning, they're fining people. The police are out. If they catch your ass out, they fine you. I mean, that's what we gotta have here in America, man. That's what that's the only way we're gonna get rid get rid of this or stave it off to where, okay, things can somewhat get back to normal. But yeah. you gotta have leadership, you gotta have a vision. And right now we have neither of the two and, except and, and from then you, mayors. Yeah, and, and then you get this guy who says that it's left up to the states to do this. Right. You right. know, yeah. the the federal the government is the federal government's not gonna be like handing out stuff like candy. I mean, when the states cannot do everything that they need to do. The federal government needs to step in and do those things. He issues this department of defense thing where he's going to, you know, take the, uh, um, uh, production and start producing these things. He goes, Oh, I've got this to use. And then he doesn't use it. Right. Right. Because somebody is going to give him some money for his, uh, campaign or something like that, and they don't want to disrupt their money making business. Yeah. Well, guess what? Nobody's making money right now. That's right. Nobody is. You know, yeah. and 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 we are having these issues where now the unemployment rate. You know, what's he want to say? The unemployment rate is three point two point. Yeah. Hell, now yeah. the unemployment rate is four point four, and it's going to be going up simply yeah. because of his inaction. Yeah. I, I just I, we, and we hate to keep you know. No, no, we we need work. to leave him alone. <laughs> I, 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 I want to I want to end it with this because yeah. to me it's like, dude, you are so inept. You don't even realize how inept you are. Mm-hmm. You're always you're always shooting your mouth off as to what a great businessman, what a great leader you are, and all this. And and, and I think there's something in history. Uh, Current certain situations come up, and true leaders rise to that occasion. Yes. You know, they they have throughout history. Leaders have risen to the occasion when certain events dictated that they must do so. Here's his opportunity to do all the stuff that he's always shooting his mouth off. You know, Obama was the worst president there ever was because of things he didn't do. But here you are, you're the president now. Obama ain't the president no more. He ain't been president for almost four years. It's on you. And you are getting people killed because of your inaction, your ineptitude. I mean, dude, just shut up. Let the expert take take care of things, the doctors who know what's going on. Let the governors do their thing because they're they're the ones that are going to bring this home. The governors and the mayors are going to bring this home. And I guarantee you he'll step up to some podium once this does settle down and take credit for it because oh, yeah. that's how he is. He is a coward across the board and everything. He does not want to take responsibility for nothing. And here is your opportunity to step up in front of the country and say, I got this. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to uh, control the ship. I'm going to command the ship. And dude, as I said, you're MIA. You're not a wartime president. You're a punk ass. 
And, and, and that's, you know, you're a punk ass. And so you're, you're missing in action and you're a punk ass. So go sit down in the corner somewhere. Let Dr. Fauci, Dr. Dr. Burks, uh, Como and all these other governors and mayors that are exercising true leadership in a time of national crisis. And we'll be ready to pack your shit up on January the 20th. That's that's what we need to do to him is to do. Just go silence him. Just, just go in the corner and shut up, you know, because you you are not. No, you're not a leader. Nothing, man. Not at all. One thing that that goes with that is that they're going to have to come up with a way of getting these votes done. Yeah. You know, and he's he is paranoid of letting everybody vote from home. Hey. Because, you know, 90, probably 90 percent, 70 percent, 90 percent of black folks didn't vote. Right. Right. So if you can come up with a ballot that you can vote for home with this virus that's out there, he's he doesn't want that to happen. No, no. Because he knows for sure that more people will vote. And that's what they don't want. They yeah. don't want people to vote because there are more people that but would vote against him than would vote for him. So anyway, let's leave it at that. Leave it at that. You know, we're, we're getting to we're getting to the, the quarter hour. Yeah, and we uh, want to uh, end on a positive note. Right. <laughs> 9.30 for you on the, on East Coast time. So I know you got, you know, you want to get some rest at some point. So I got a little little couple hours before I have to sign off for tonight. So. All right. All right. All right. Well, this has been a discussion. You know, we want to continue to move on with our podcast. You know, sometimes our subject matter gets a little short, but that's okay. Uh, I think and we enjoy doing this and whether people like listen to our podcast or not that's fine this is a, a a record of a time period where two two guys from small town america got together and discussed um politics life love and everything that goes along with that absolutely glad to be a part of it and before we sign off again, we want to shout out the medical professionals, doctors, nurses, other medical professionals who are on the front line fighting every day to keep people safe and doing their jobs, man, in the uh, some of the most uh, you know dire conditions that we have faced in a long time. And also much love and respect uh, to the governors and the mayors that are also showing great leadership during this time of crisis. So, yeah, and we want to give lots of prayers to those people that are absolutely. under this Corona uh, virus. Hopefully they'll um, uh, get better, recover, and we will get better as a nation as we move forward. Lessons, absolutely. lots of lessons to be learned here and let's move forward from there. True. True. Everybody stay safe. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Peace out. Peace out. We're out of here.